Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Hey, good evening, Aaron. Uh, boy, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, man, some some crazy things have, have happened not only to the Bears, but uh, in, within the league. Uh, and uh, it just so happened that our, our favorite guest of the Halitech Hall Show is, is here to discuss it all with us. Uh, Lester Wolfong from Windy City Gridiron. Good evening, my friend. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Well, better, better than the Bears' offensive line, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's a rough, uh, a, a big bunch of news today. Yeah, and we'll get into that later in the show. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we have to talk about the Saints game first uh, to put it kind of in chronological order. But, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about the second half of the show. But uh, I guess the, the, first, the first question I have is, why is Wim still on the roster? Man, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. I mean, when, when I first saw it happen, my initial reaction was, you know, cut him. I mean, there's just no point. I mean, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't produce in the offense. Yeah, he, he has, you know, he plays, I think, the, maybe the third most, the, the fourth most snaps again. But, but still, we're, we're talking your fourth or your fifth receiver. Pulling some bull crap like that. It's just a clown move. You know, he, 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 he got poked in the face. Okay. Maybe he's sticking up for someone else who got poked in the face. Well, you know what? You don't, you don't wait till the, the next play, run up on him, punch him, punch him again, get in a the fight, then jump around flexing on it. You just, it's just, it just looks silly. It just, I think it's a bad move from the Bears not doing anything. I think they, they might have been a good idea for them to come out and suspend him a little further than the league. But the fact that he has kind of sat sat back and let the league do all the punishment for him, I just think that's a bad uh, a bad look. I think that yeah, I don't know what to think. I'm, I, let's just call a spade a spade. You're you're exactly right. I was I was shocked. I mean, my initial reaction when I saw it happen was that guy ought to be cut before they even take showers after the game. And I've seen it happen in the league elsewhere where guys have have been cut before they hit the showers. Uh, I've seen I've seen coaches fired before they hit the showers. It happened earlier this year in in the NFL. Um, are they are they waiting to see what else is might be available? Are they scouring the uh, the practice squads? They've got two weeks before they need to do anything because he's suspended. So he's technically, you know, they can replace him on the roster uh, because he's he's suspended without pay. So I hope 
that's what we see. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the matter? I mean, the guy's an idiot. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I mean, I you people have been trying to defend it uh, on Bears Twitter somehow, saying that he had to stand up for himself and blah, blah, blah. Like, he got his mouthpiece stolen. <laughs> that was it. Like, you know, I mean, that guy's a, definitely uh, an insider. I mean, Michael Thomas on his own team punched the guy in practice. Yeah. Like, this guy's clearly, you know, somebody that's out there to get, uh, you know, things stirred up. And, you know, he was the same guy that was involved in a bunch of trash talk at Tariq Cohen last year when they played the Saints. I mean, clearly what I think is the case is that the Saints are in the Bears' head and Peyton is definitely in Nagy's head. And I don't know what Wims is thinking, but to wait all that time and his mouthpieces get kicked around the field and thrown around the field, and then to to sit there and stew on it, and then as soon as he has the opportunity, goes and snatches the guy's mouthpiece and throws two stupid open-hand punches. Like, is there anything more stupid than two football players in helmets punching each other like it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen in my life when it happens and people are out here like oh he had to stand up for himself like i'm like you know but yeah i agree with you guys like what is the point of him still being on the team you know and then his reaction afterward like he did something and was all proud you know oh. strutting off peacocking off the field i'm like bro you're an idiot <laughs> like you're <laughs> literally an idiot right now and and if you know if they have any real leaders on that team, they wouldn't stand for that. But I have a feeling that this team's, you know, a little more about club dub and highlight videos than they are about, you know, policing each other. I think you're right. You know, it's it's and it's just a shame. And and you know, the Bears' image nationally was bad enough with the the abysmal performance they had on Monday night against the Rams offensively, uh, you know, and, and they allowed two touchdowns and we'll get into allowing touchdowns here in, in a little bit to, to the saints, but it, it just, it, it was, it was an opportunity for the bears organization to do something absolutely dead on the right thing to do that, that not just, 80% or 90%, but 100% of Bears fans would have gotten behind, behind Nagy and Pace if they said, this is, you know, and he talked about it, Nagy talked about it on, you know, Monday on, on WBBM, uh, you know, their little sports segment that he does live in the morning. He says, this is not something we can tolerate and there will be consequences and here we are, it's now Tuesday evening at uh, almost 10 o'clock at night. And aside from a, a, a slap on the wrist with a two-game suspension from the league, no consequences have been dealt out by the Bears organization. And it's a shame. Absolutely, 100%. Yep. I mean, can't, can't argue with you at all. It's... Uh... You know, you don't like to say kind of things like this, but it does make you, you know, it makes you sound sort of whatever. But it's like you wish, you know, for the older days of of uh, more disciplinarian type of uh, you know coaches and and management. I think uh, nowadays the 
the league kind of has to, takes the lead in almost every situation now, and <laughs> it's just it's just really questionable. Yeah. Do you remember back? Either one of you can can chime in on this. Uh, Mike Singletary was the head coach of the 49ers, and mm-hmm. he sent a player off during the middle of the game. I don't know if I can't remember if it was during a game in the regular season or the preseason. Can't have it. Won't tolerate it. Can't accept it. Not going to be on my team. Yeah. Was that was that his tight end? Was that uh? Was that Vernon Davis? Back Vernon then? Davis, maybe. That's, that's exactly who it was. And, and then and then those two actually ended up having a, a very good relationship and and uh, later on in their careers that you know Vernon Davis said a lot of stuff that. You know, Coach Singletary helped him uh, helped him mature a little bit. So, I mean, so sometimes a player needs a kick in the ass. Yeah. Well, this and if, unfortunately, Wims doesn't need a kick in the ass. He needs a kick out the door. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't know what they gain. I mean, I hope he's at least deactivated. You know, sent down to the practice squad, like whatever. But. Uh, if this guy's on the field again this season, I mean, if they believe his excuse, you know, like I just, I just can't, I can't, I hope that really doesn't happen. I don't see, I, I have not seen a film clip that, uh, that shows where he, he got spit on. Me neither. Then, there isn't one. <laughs> like, and the stuff that, you, you know, happens on the bottom of football piles, it doesn't happen so much anymore in the, age of HD and overhead cameras and, and all that stuff because everything gets captured. But I mean, back in the day, obviously like, you know, these guys would be doing unspeakable things to each other under the, on the bottom of the pile, gouging and twisting and God knows what else. I mean, fighting. Dick Buckus was a savage in that pile. And nowadays these players, it's like, Oh, you scuffed my Jordans. (laughs) You know, like you scuffed my Air Force One cleats. Like let's fight. It's so corny. So I got a question for Lester with with the situation with with Wims. Uh, why did they return Dwayne Harris to the practice squad? Well, he was just brought up for the game as it was. I mean, you're you're allowed to bring up I think uh, two guys. Uh, t- yeah, two guys a week. Um, then if there's a, a COVID. Situation, you can obviously bring up a, a few more, but, but he was just one of those guys that came up from the practice squad for the uh, for the game. I, I think as the week goes on, I mean, he was he's already been named one of their protected practice squad players this week, so he's he's not going to go anywhere. He he he, he had a chance to clear waivers. Either no one came at him, or or he decided he wanted to stay in Chicago because he'll be here again at least one more week. Yeah, well, isn't the practice squad? You don't have to clear waivers. To go no, back to well, the practice squad, but but you can be claimed if you're on the practice squad by any team unless you're protected. Isn't that yeah, how well, it works this year? Yeah, like 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 Harris, since he was one of the call-ups, you could send it back down without having to go through waivers. But then there's always that window of opportunity before the next week starts where you know you're back just a, a traditional practice squad player. So so he is still has a small window where before I think four o'clock on Tuesdays, teams can go after him. And then once four o'clock comes, you, 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 you put in your protected list for the week. And then uh, those guys are going to now be, you know, they can't be you know, post for the whole week. But again, the practice squad player, they're for agents. I mean, if, if, if a team comes at Harris 
you know, while he is free and then he's, hey, you know, we, we're looking for you to come to our team. You know, we're going to give you a contract. He can always say no. I mean, it's, at that point, it's just a matter of money. But if he has a good feeling that they're going to bring him up at some point and give him that active roster paycheck, he may just decide to stay in Chicago. And, I mean, honestly, let's, let's face facts. He's clearly the best punt returner on the roster. I can't see any way that he's not going to return punts for the rest of the year for Chicago. Yeah, I was going to just going to say that I think uh, he's going to be elevated back to to the uh, active roster, be part of the 53, let alone just being an extra guy. Yeah, well, isn't at, there at some point it'll happen. Isn't there still something going on with veteran cut dates? Because like you know, like the Titans just released Vic Beasley. Maybe that maybe there's some reason why they didn't put Harris on the roster fully just yet. Um, because I know that there's some, I, I don't know what the status is, but I was reading something about the reason Vic Beasley was cut and how some other vets might be getting cut soon. Uh, I know there's something to do with comp picks. I mean, there's always mm-hmm. that situation where you have to be you right. know, on a roster that certain date. And then I think there is a, there's usually a, a waiver wire deadline where veterans don't have to pass their waivers. I think Beasley might be a guy that, this would be his fifth year, so he may not even have to go through waivers until it's after a certain point. But, I mean, there's always one of these little weird rules. But as far as the Bears are concerned, I don't think that none of those guys worry about with that right now. Absolutely. Getting into the, the game, yeah, the Bears were ahead by 10 points late in the first half. And all of a sudden, the Bears' defense went soft. And this has been a trend this has been a trend ever since Pagano took over. They play soft in, at the end of the first half. How many times have we seen a, the opposing team sc- score at least three, if not seven? It happened in Atlanta. In Atlanta. It happened in against Detroit. It happened again. In, in, in Now all of a sudden, a 10-point lead was a three-point lead at halftime. It evaporated immediately. And all of a sudden, they're down 10 points after that fiasco of a third quarter. Yeah, I mean, especially against a quarterback like Drew Brees. I mean, yes, he's one of the best to ever do it. You know, but at this point, Drew Brees doesn't have the same arm he used to have. So, I mean, at some point, you got to realize Brees is looking to get the ball out quick. He's looking to do, you know, as keep things as short as possible. You know, most of their routes are crossing routes or stuff behind the line of scrimmage. They're not looking to, you know, really push the field right now. So, you know, you, you got to have your defensive backs play a little tighter. Um, you can blitz in those situations, but like you said, the Bears decided to kind of play a little soft, trying to make sure they, they didn't give up any big plays, and it kind of bit them in the butt. Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to keep things in front of them, but at the same time, it, it's Breeze. Like, he doesn't – he can't throw it deep. He really has no deep weapons, like – I think maybe they're hoping to uh, limit the, you know, what, what Kamara can do by sort of, you know, making sure. But, of course, that also didn't work. He, you saw him make big plays in the screen game. Um, I will say that I, I really think the difference between Fangio and Pagano is is pretty overblown. Um, a lot of people like, you know, just like you said, Mike, like to like to say that it's all Pagano and the way that he plays it. He really doesn't. 
I mean, he really doesn't play that differently than than Fangio did. Fangio used to do all sorts of super frustrating, annoying things, putting Mac into coverage, playing soft and off. He he off. He always played. In fact, I think Jalen Johnson is up on the line way more than Prince of Mukamara ever was. The the issues you have with this defense is that Trevathan and Screen are just bad, <laughs> and you know, and they're getting picked on. Every game, Trevathan and Screen are involved in big plays against them or penalties or both. And there's not a lot of holes in this defense, but those are two. And so I think, you know, they're afraid of blitzing and getting beat behind that blitz. And they never have the lead. And that's where Fangio's defenses were so different because they – you know, he was allowed to be different by having the lead. It's this team just in 2019 also, they never had the lead. That's such a big difference. Um, what is up with the fact that they let Taysom Hill gain all those yards? Everybody, I mean, this hits more, it's, it's a more defined role than Cordero Patterson playing in the the shotgun, in the pistol, in, in the whatever you want to call it, and running to the left. There's And he, you know, they, he got a ton of chunk yards early in the game. They kind of bottled him up, and then it bit him in the ass in, in overtime. Just, I just can't tell you how frustrated I was watching that guy behind center when everybody, everybody watching that game – I was going to say everybody in the stands, but I forget. Uh, but there's there's not a soul that doesn't know where that ball is going. It's not going to leave his hands, and yet he was able to get a lot of chunk yards in the beginning of the game and at the end of the game when it hurt him the most. Well, and that's the difference when you can execute and block. I mean, you could you could make that same statement about the Corderell Patterson play that everybody hated from uh, two weeks ago, where you know we're just like everybody knows what's coming. They did it. It was horrible, you know. But if it works, it's it's like a double momentum changer, you know, because it's demoralizing. Like when you need yardage and the defense knows you're going to run and you know you're going to run and you run and you get it anyway, it's like double damage, you know, because I just think it's so demoralizing to a defense, especially when it's on third or fourth down. And, you know, I just think this defense, the one thing I will say about them is they are they do not finish plays. I don't know if it's they're, they're afraid of the, the penalties that they're getting in, in droves, some, you know, warranted and some not. But, uh, you know, Pagano, I guess, got really pissed at them from a couple weeks ago with uh, with regards to some pursuit and some finishing of plays. You know, I mean, I think the Rams game was evident of some of that um, for sure. But you've seen that this year. I mean, Mac is so worried about a penalty that, like, he'll have the quarterback half in the grass and then he flails his arms out and tries desperately to not land on him because he's so ready for the penalty. And so I think between them trying to be really opportunistic and get turnovers, they're also playing, you know, sort of tentative at times 
um, and sort of expecting somebody to make the play. And then you, the next thing they know, none of the four people around the ball made the play, and it just keeps going. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like the Bermuda Triangle in baseball, where yeah. you have a, a little a little pop flare behind yeah. the second baseman, and the right fielder, and the center fielder, and the second baseman are all going after the ball, and nobody catches it. <laughs> right, and that's what I'm saying. It's like they're still. They're, I don't know, they're just not, number one, they keep every single week almost getting interceptions. I mean, if if the Bears had just gotten all these turnovers that they've almost gotten, we could be talking about a much different season. Absolutely. But I just, you know, listen, like, all that being said, the defense doing, you're still going against Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. You you are going to give up yards and points to them. Everybody does. Like, it's not, you know, you're not special for doing that. My biggest thing is we still, the defense still did enough for us to win that game. Like, once again, you know, there weren't a lot of teams that scored 26 points and lost in the NFL last week. You know, there were like three that lost. And so I just think, like, the defense is still doing enough, and the offense is just so atrocious. Like, at least they showed some spurts, but ugh, ugh. Yeah. And I've been I've been saying this for probably five years now. The Bears do a great job of turning touchdowns into field goals mm-hmm. since 2006, and it rigged the you know it reared its ugly head again on Sunday. You had you know you you had 13 points in the first half. You easily could have had 21. Yeah. You score you know you you had, and then let's get to this. Yet another anemic third quarter. The you know it was just it's a pathetic showing. We 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 preach about starting. We want to start fast. We want to start fast. We want to start fast. And we're among the league's worst in scoring in the first quarter. And I think and by far we're the league's worst scoring in in the third quarter because they've only scored seven points in eight games. Yeah, so they're they're averaging 0.875 points per quarter in the eight quarter, third quarters so far this year. Like anemic does not even begin to describe the third quarter. The third quarter was a tire fire. Like, I, I mean, some of the most disorganized, just terrible football. And they and this is after the defense gives up that touchdown at the end of the first half. So they go into the first half in the halftime off of the off of that and then they come out and it's just an absolute just crap yep. show. Yeah, dumpster fire, tire yeah. fire. Any whatever fire you want to talk about. That's what we saw at the beginning of the third quarter. And and I guess uh, apparently the headset went out or something. Like there was some business yeah, with the yeah, go out in the third yeah, this headset went out in the third quarter. He had to change helmets uh, during a series. But right. you know, I guess you know it. It just drives you. It drives you. It drives you nuts. Lester, I got a question for you. Sure. How bad is is Bars if he's oh. not playing in front of Rashad Coward? I mean, you know, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, there, it makes no sense uh, what's going on with Bars from a technical standpoint. You know, Bars is, is the better football player. I mean, he, he probably knows the, the, his assignments better as far as what he has to do on each play, 
but he probably understands how to pick up stunts better at, at this point in, in their careers. You know, he understands hand placement better. He understands leverage better. He just knows how to play offensive line because that's what he's been his whole career. You know, Rashad Coward, he's been, he's been, he's been uh, an offensive lineman now for, I think, two and a half years. You know, he's, <laughs> I mean, the, the effort's there from him. But at some point, you got to look at his tape and say, "Man, this guy is just missing easy stunts. Still, he's he's not making the right the right the right steps inside some of the blocks. He just doesn't know what he's doing all the time. And and if he was just a physical specimen that was just overpowering and 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 just killing people with poor technique, that's one thing. But he's not. I mean, he he's yeah. missing things all over the place. I honestly don't see what the point is to not just get bars out there. But like you said, I mean, these coaches see him every day. If the coach really thought that that bars was going to be the answer, you know, why would they keep him on the bench? I, I, I can't imagine there's anything personal. I mean, I haven't heard anything about, about either, either player. It's just one of those things where they just trust the guy they've had in, in around longer. And it's just, to me, it's baffling because we know from, like I said, from a technical standpoint, bars will know what he has to do. Coward's just making too many stupid mistakes. I'm going to give Coward a little bit of credit, just a little, okay? Because when Spriggs went down and they actually moved Coward to right tackle, you didn't hear his name. He actually didn't play bad. So leave him out at tackle. And well, I guess that's where, you know, when when we, we get into talking more about the, the, the game on Sunday, that's probably where he's going to be lining up. But you got to get bars in there or somebody because he was just absolutely brutal. I mean, a turnstile slows people down more than what Coward does at, at left guard. You know, there's some, some linemen that are inexperienced. Sometimes being at guard helps them because things happen so quick and they have to, you know, it's just all instincts. But other times, guys prefer stuff out of tackle because they do have a, 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 a split second, you know, it, it takes you know, be, be, uh, before the blocks are made because they have, you know, the guy coming at them and past sets. You know, things just happening too quick for Kyle Reason that I'm able to make his reaction. It's almost like you see him thinking out there. And if he was at right tackle, if he was on an island every now and again, just, just pass block one-on-one, and if he had a chance just to go through his, his past sets and just actually – you know, just basically see the guy come in front of him, use his athleticism, make the block. Maybe that's the best place for him. I and mean, that's where he first was moved when he was a DT tackle. He was moved to right tackle. So maybe that's, there's some sort of comfort level in there because I've, I have not seen it at guard. Yeah, yeah to, to me, like the fact that Coward is our offensive lineman is such malpractice by the coaching <laughs> staff and Brian Pace, like, tell me what other team is doing a weird, bizarre conversion of a tackle, a defensive tackle to an <laughs> offense. Tell me about this other team that's doing that. Nobody is doing this weird crap but us. And I don't know if it's some legend of Big Cat Williams that got in Nagy's head or what the deal is, but every year there is some – like try hard project that Nagy has, like, you know, it's Bradley soul being a tight end. It's take one Mizell. It's Michael Burton. It's Ryan. Nall. there's always one 
bum that Nagy puts a suit on and tells us is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, like, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I would take anyone, like, you know, bring up one of the kids and let him play over Rashad Coward. And the fact that they're keeping bars on the bench is like, I don't know. It's like, are they, are they, are they pissed at Mustafer and bars because they're he stand guys? Like, and it's some weird, I mean, I'm just like, to me, I would love to find out what happened with he stand, but I think it, it, the reason he stand is not here. Isn't so much because Nagy wanted him gone. I think he stand was like, like at some point told Nagy, Hey, you're full of it, bud. <laughs> like I know what I'm doing. And you know, and I think the Rashad Coward thing maybe had something to do with it because there's got to be some weird pride factor with Nagy on that because the decision from an from an observer just makes no shred of sense. Well, Coward was a he stand guy too. That's who decided to to make the transition. That was when he. I thought it was Fangio. To... I thought it was Fangio that that told him he should move to offensive line. So he stand well, was a ch- champion of Coward. I'm not sure if it was, he was a champion, but I mean, he was the O line coach when the when when the, when the move was made. He was, I but I mean, I I can't see the D coordinator saying, "Oh, this guy could be." Dude, I can't see him being the guy that makes that initial move. That had to come from one of the offensive guys, and you know, from from what, what I understand, you know, it was it was he stand had 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 a big part of it. I mean, if if he didn't think he could turn him into something, he probably would have been out on the street. Probably. Yeah. I'm going to throw a name at you guys that's way before your time. I know it's way before your time, Aaron, and it's probably way before your time, Lester, but there was there was a guy on the Bears' offensive line. Uh, it, it was This is in the late 60s, early 70s. And he played guard, and he always he got called for too many penalties. So they literally switched him to the defensive side of the ball, and he actually had a pretty decent career after that. There's a guy by the wow. name of George Seals. Uh, so he played for he was he played for George Hallis, and then of course, uh, you know when when Hallis retired after the uh, the '68 season, you know he was uh, you know he was he was still on on the Bears team. He played with the Bears. On defense um, for two years, and then he got uh, he got signed by Kansas City. Uh, ended his career in 1973, but you know he actually um, he started um, 13. He started 14 games, 13 games, 12 games at left guard, and then he started all 14 games in 1970 and 71. As a as a defensive tackle, so it's not that it's unprecedented, but that was a situation where he went from offense to defense, where you could just rush the quarterback or you know plug up a hole, as opposed to learning the subtle nuances of offensive line play. I agree with you, Lester. He maybe he will do better at tackle because there's less decisions to make at tackle. I mean, he often doesn't. He often just makes the wrong choice. And when you're a guard in pass protection, that's really that's like what it's all about. 
is you get you choose <laughs> like yeah. what are you gonna do are you gonna block <laughs> which gap are you gonna go to because you can't cover both gaps so you could choose and i think as a tackle unless they're coming on some kind of weird stunt or twist or something you, you know you're just kind of you're ready to react to the outside rush that's pretty much what you do so i think maybe the instincts of defense could could, could be more uh, handy there and then maybe you know i mean i just want to know like what are they seeing like many minds greater than mine have watched him and they don't understand what the bears are seeing that allows him to keep himself in the lineup so i just i feel that and Maggie just does these weird like psychological crap with the roster <laughs> like and, mm-hmm. him and furry I'm so over furry. Oh my god, <laughs> furry is a fraud. <laughs> and Wims is proof. Wims is proof that Mike Furry is a fraud. So <laughs> let's. When you go to the uh, offensive line now, uh, you've got Cody White here on the active roster. Uh, you have got uh, Rashad Coward, Sam Mustafer, Lacavius Simmons. Um, on the roster and in Hambright on the roster. That is it. That is your entire offensive line. Then um, the rest of the guys are, you know, are, are injured. You know, Matt, Massey's on injured reserve. He's gone for a month. You know, the, the, the uh, injury report tomorrow is going to be interesting to see whether or not either Mustafer or Cody Whitehair even practices or gets on the field at all, it'll be nice to see if at least one of them has limited participation. But, um, you know, what was the, they had the, they had the chance last week. I think he ended up signing with Cincinnati. I can't remember the guy's name at guard. Uh, Lester, you'll, you'll remind me. Yeah. Quentin Spain. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't need him. Good job. We did. Good job. You know, we didn't even take a sniff at, at him. And, and now, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're in dire straits. We, we really are a, along the offensive line going into the Tennessee game. And but they be- knew about it like this. They knew about this before the trade deadline and they did nothing. <laughs> like It's unbelievable. Before we get to the Tennessee game, the, uh, the something came out on Twitter. I sent it to both of you guys. Uh, as an after the fact for the agenda for tonight. And, and that is the, the league and the players association are actually talking about adding an eighth team to each conference and making it an eight team playoff, which I was hoping they do uh, at the beginning of the year, because I just don't think that, that I, in there, I know their, they were, their thoughts were to reward the top seed but it gives the top seed so much of an advantage that they only have to play two games to get to the Super Bowl instead of three. Uh, I'm all for this change if it in fact happens. Yeah, I guess it has something to do with uh, if if there's games canceled, you know, because because of the COVID situation. If that happens, then they may have to change the schedule, and there may be some times where you know not all the teams are playing. You know the, the same amount of games. So if this is the case, they may just say, "Well, let's just stick in a, a an eighth playoff team in each conference, kind of make up the difference." But 
I mean, if it happens, it'll be one of this is the year to obviously do it because of all the weird stuff going on. But I mean, I'm good with it. I think it's nice. I mean, it's nice to have that, uh, the, the buy if, if you're the best team in a conference, but this is a strange year, a strange season. So why not finish it on a strange note? Well, and I mean, we were talking about that the bears would have been alone at the top of the NFC uh, before the Rams. If they game. would have beat LA, yeah. If they would have yeah. beat LA, and now, they would have been now, number one. And now, as it stands, if the playoffs started today, the Bears would be out. Yeah. That's how quickly everything turned. And now we have a mash unit offensive line. And I mean, it is just sliding right now. So let's talk about Tennessee. What, what obviously. The keys to the game, we even if we we have a ragtag offensive line, Tennessee's defense has not played well at all this year. No, they're terrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, like they're they're cutting people, like they don't know, you know, they really are not doing well. Their secondary isn't playing well. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, you know, has basically been Jadavian Clowney. I'm not surprised by his lack of production. I don't know why everybody loves this guy so much. I think he's completely overrated. Like, and he just doing what he does, which is nothing. And, you know, he gets a few pressures. And Vic Beasley's, you know, Atlanta couldn't wait to get rid of him. I remember Bears fans going, you know, opining for him. And now you see why Atlanta let him go. And he's cut now. And now the Titans have let him go because he yes. showed up late and he's done nothing. <laughs> like yep. he's a bum. And you know, that's the thing is that the Titans, unfortunately, they got a good quarterback. They got Derrick Henry. They have big receivers, tight ends. They got talent all over the offensive side of the ball, even though they are missing Tyler Luan at, at left tackle, but their defense is just, is really porous. Go ahead, Lester. Yeah, the way it is right now, the Titans can't stop anyone. They're the they're the worst in the NFL and in, in, in allowing third down conversions. I think it's at 62, 63%. So, you know, the fact that the Bears are 31st in that category on offense, that's goes well for the Bears. So maybe they can move the chains once in a while against the Titans if they can. I mean, if they can, man, can you imagine if if this is the game where where things start shaking up on the offense and it looks a little more efficient? They get a little bit of rhythm, a little bit of confidence, and they get things cooking a little bit. That's all this team needs is a little bit of offense because, like, like we talked about, the defense is still there. I mean, this is a game the Bears, they could win. Am I going to pick them? Probably not. But it's one of those games where, you know, they have enough talent to win. Again, it's going to a lot of come down to the offensive line if those injuries and, and the guys on the COVID list can't play. It could be kind of sketchy. But, you know, the game's there for them. I mean, the Titans, like I said, defense ain't that good. So, you know, they got to go out there and they got to get a little something going on offense. Uh, you just dropped a bombshell uh, that uh, that the Bears dropped. You shared the bombshell that the Bears dropped today with uh, with Spriggs testing positive for COVID and Ifedi being a, a high risk close contact is now on the COVID list. He might be able to come back if he tests negative. Uh, yeah. So, so he, he if he tests negative uh, through Saturday, he could actually play on Sunday. But you know, you you might have a situation where you've got um, 
just a mess on on the offensive line. You have you have Leno. Uh, you might have you might or might not have Mustafer. You're going to have uh, Simmons. You're going to have Coward at left at right tackle, and you're going to have Ham Hambright at the other guard. That's that's what you're down to. Yeah, and they signed. I don't. They signed some journeyman to the practice squad as an offensive lineman uh, earlier today too. After, after, yeah. after, yeah. You know, so they got they got nothing behind Neary. He'll obviously he'll get promoted to the to the active roster for for Sunday because they got they got nobody to back anybody up if anybody gets hurt on Sunday. Well, if they're missing one of their centers, they're going to have to bring Neary up because he's at least experienced as center, because I guess the plan this last week was uh, a Dieter Eisen, but, but that didn't happen. So I am, I was honestly curious to see what would have happened if Sam Musker would have got injured at center, had to take a playoff for whatever reason, you know, who, who would have been the, the next center up? It just, I, I don't understand the roster construction. Obviously, you know, the, the, the practice are closed to everyone, you know, so there's really no, 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 no things leaking out as far as who the other guy is, but, but, but how does the center depth chart look? It's white hair. It's a muscular. And that's and it. Of, uh, and a bunch of unknowns. I thought I heard sometime during the game that, that um, at bars was actually taking snaps on the sideline. I, I guess that's, I guess that's the guy. That's why they didn't promote Dieter Eisen then is because bars has been uh, working on it. So, I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, bars, when he was in at Notre Dame, he played most of the interior he was uh, always known as as a as a technically sound player, a very heady player. So, I mean, if Bars is going to be your your reserve guy, I mean, he's got to learn all those positions. But the Bears don't want to play him, so who knows? I would think he'd have to get in there. I mean, like Bars is there. So as much as everything is looking like it's going sideways with the line, isn't there still a chance though that we could actually have Leno? Bars, Cody. What's I mean, Cody's status is still up in the air. You know, he like, didn't. I don't, he didn't. He, I don't think he practiced at all last week. And he, he, he was, didn't. Uh, well, the, I, or it might have been limited the last day, but he was. He just wasn't able to go. And right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's just. It's a cast it's a, injury. It's really tough at that position because you know you really need your legs, your base. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure he could gut it out. And and I know he'd be better than what the Bears are putting out there, but at some point you got to realize: is this gonna? Is it a strain? Is it, is, is it a pull? Can it get worse if if it gets you know stepped on or gets pulled again? So, you know, they have to look the long term uh, health for White Cody White here. And there's a part of it I'm I'm excited. I want to see what happens. I want to see you know uh, Arlington Hambright play. I want to see these guys get a chance. I want to see bars out there. I want to see you know what happens when they have to are forced to play because right. you know. We, you know, we, we watch NFL football other games. We see undrafted free agents step in out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, hey, this guy's legit. It's like, mm-hmm. when's the last time the Bears had a had an unknown guy come in and say, hey, this guy's going to be a, a keeper for the next five, six years as a backup? At some point, the Bears got to find some of those guys. One thing that you you might be able to say is an advantage with, with a ragtag group of offensive linemen is – Tennessee's got no tape on these guys. Yeah. So they don't know what their tendencies are. So they can go out and just play, you know, uh, you know, a scrum football and just play, just play, you know, hard nosed football 
with no real stunts or whatever on the offensive line or, and just, you know, surprise some people. We, God, we can only pray that that would happen, but we have no idea of knowing. To, uh, to your point, Lester, Cody Whitehair did not participate at all last week. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he was, he, he was a, a DNP uh, both uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, at least it's against Tennessee. Tennessee's, you know, as we've already mentioned, has a bad defense. They don't have too much of a pass rush, um, you know. So at least I guess it's against Tennessee's defense. But I'm just, you know, I mean, this game has – I marked this game down as a loss at the beginning of the season. In fact, I had this whole stretch as a three-game losing streak. Rams uh, – Saints, Titans, when I picked 10 and 6 at the beginning of the year, that's what I picked because I just didn't see us beating those teams, and it just looked like an ugly stretch to me. So, I mean, honestly, I'm not too surprised, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm with you, Lester. Like, it seems like it takes disaster for us to see some of these guys play, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it, which is so weird to me. Like, it's like, wouldn't you want to see, you know, these guys play and, and, you know, uh, hopefully develop somebody like, uh, you know, I, I, I will see what Juan Castillo can do. Um, I, and one maybe blessing in disguise or silver lining to the cloud could be that Nagy will be forced to simplify things, <laughs> um, which would be great, <laughs> you know, uh, because Foles is going to have to do a lot of the line calls. You know, I mean, he's already doing a little bit of it, and he's really calling protections a whole hell of a lot more than Mitch ever did. Um, it's just ironic because they still can't protect him. But, um, you know, he's certainly trying. <laughs> it's not for lack of effort that, that he's trying to put the offensive linemen in the right spots. They're just literally blowing right past them. Like, it's amazing well, you- that Foles has not been hurt yet. You have to you you have to adapt, and that's one of Nagy's biggest downfalls. Is he wants to run his system no matter what. Let's go and take a look at the Monday night game. Okay, the 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 Giants gave Tampa all they could do to handle these guys, but in order to protect Brady, what did they do? They 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 had two tight ends. So they they were blocking seven and only basically getting two or three receivers out in patterns, two wide receivers and one running back, and and the tight end stayed home and blocked to help form a pocket for Brady. And yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to see that you're gonna you're gonna have to see that this this Sunday against Tennessee. You know, and, and you're going to see a lot of Simmons. You're going to probably see a lot of, of Holt. And, you know, you're, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a lot of, of, of just two wide receiver sets with two tight ends and one running back. I hope. I think, I think Nagy forgot all those plays. He, he threw those into the fireplace when, when Foles became his quarterback. Like, there's no – we aren't running any 13 personnel. The – the Buccaneers had six offensive linemen at times in that game. Like they were dead serious about pass protection. And it's like, sometimes you look at it, it's like everybody wants to go spread, spread, spread. Well, 
you know, a couple of years ago in this, you know, the defenses started to react to this and they say, okay, well, you're going to be in spread and we're going to be in sub packages all the time. Well, guess what? Our linebackers are now going to be 230 pounds and they're going to run four, four forties. So deal with that. And now, you know, when those people blitz, the offenses have to pull everything in, right? And so they've adapted back, and you see the the offense in you know San Francisco and what Greg Roman is doing, and all these different things, you know, where it's like, okay, well, we would rather have protection. Protection is more valuable to us than spreading you out because it doesn't matter. I mean, if if you you know, these these plays have to have time to develop. Darnell Mooney makes a double move. We literally don't have the time for that double move to even complete because there's no protection. So I think, you know, it would be smart to to do exactly what you're saying, Michael, but Nagy is not smart. <laughs> Nagy is completely stubborn. He has no system. He is like you know, he stole Andy Reid's playbook and he doesn't understand it. Like, I'm firmly off of this guy. He he called six games in his whole life before he came to the Bears. And he is, I mean, the guy is a fraud. Like, he has no offense. In, 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 I'm sorry, but we don't have the greatest talent. But you see coaches all around the league doing things with substandard talent. And this guy, it's like, what a talker, but he, he, the, the results are just trash. And I'm tired of this, always a leader of men that I've said many times, because this team is the most penalized team in the league, and they look stupid every single game at multiple points, whether it's with discipline or with getting lined up. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, because this team's a, like, they're, they're badly coached. Let's just call a spade a spade. They're badly coached, except for on the defensive side of the ball. Well, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball, because he, the, the obvious, the key to this game is containing Henry. And there's, I'm going to take you guys back again. Uh, I'm going to go all the way back to the 2000. And I want to I want to say it was the 2005 season um, when Carolina came into Chicago and they had a, a hell of a of a running team at that point. And the Bears did something that I basically haven't seen them do since. And they lined up. They had a five man defensive front to stop the run, you know, so it was, it was basically a five, two defense uh, with, with your, you know, your four defensive backs. I would love to see something like that against Tennessee. Cause I don't think anybody's done it. And so uh, who are you going to block? Who are you going to scheme against? If you put it def- another defensive lineman uh, in, in the game and have, have a five man front, with the uh, with uh, Roquan as your your linebacker in the middle, give it some thought, guys. I think it would work. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen the Patriots go to kind of like the, the old school bear front where they have those the, the, the three big bodies in the middle. You know, we've seen a few, a few other teams do it through the years. So, uh, I mean, this is one of those things that the Bears are a point. I mean, you know, they're not going to stop Henry. It's just <laughs> he's just too good right now. He's just playing at a really high level. 
So, you know, they got to, you know, they got to pick the poison. Are they, are they going to just, are they going to let him run all over them? Are they going to really go out there and make a concerted effort to, to do something different schematically to stop him? And, and, and I think that'd be a good idea. Go out there with some, some extra beef, do what you can do. You're, you're, you're already missing Eddie Goldman this season. So you're already behind things, you know, get some more Mario Edwards in the game once in a while, play some more Brent urban, you know, if you bring some, some of these backups, you know, get them some, some more spot there and, you know, maybe you take off uh, your 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 uh, your other outside backer and and, uh, and and just go with Mac. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, I would be worried about Tannehill destroying them. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, because um, they, they they love play action. Um, so uh, you know, unless the pass rush got home, uh, yeah. Which unfortunately, I'm a little you know, Robert Quinn is not really producing let's just call it what it is uh we tried to believe that he was doing more but he's he's just he's not on the field uh some of it has to do with the fact they don't have a lead but you know other than that he's really not producing mac is clearly not 100 percent. he had an ankle last week he had a back the week before now i think he has both um so <laughs> I think that's a great idea if you get home, but if you don't get home, you know, AJ Brown and Corey Davis are going to catch the ball and run for days. Uh, you know, who've been the two linebackers. About. Yeah. You know, who've been the two linebackers that show up on tape the most often in the last three weeks. One Roquan is he for sure. Roquan is Roquan is yeah. one. Mingo's the other. Yeah, Mingo's been solid. I mean, you know, I'm surprised he's on the field as much as he is. He's on the field for Quinn a lot because he's more versatile. He's outplayed him. Well, that's just so ridiculous. We gave Quinn all this money, and, you know, it's like ironically, like, and I hate to say this because I don't like Leonard Floyd, but we kind of miss Leonard Floyd because even though he wasn't getting home as a pass rusher, at least – when he, you know, for the most part, he wasn't like out of position and completely creating a problem. Like he's least stayed in his lane. And, and, you know, even though I hate everybody talking about this, like he was, he at least was an edge setter when he, uh, you know, didn't get home in the pass rush. Robert Quinn, unfortunately, he really only is, does one thing. It's, it's rush really hard outside, <laughs> to the quarterback. And if that doesn't work out or if they scheme against it, which is pretty easy to do, uh, you know, then, then you're screwed. <laughs> so Mingo's getting the shot and, and he's looked, he's looked pretty good. I mean, that's surprising. I mean, you have to hand it to pace. Well, I don't know if it's pace or if it's Jay Rogers, um, you know, the defensive line and who's the, who's the linebackers coach. Um, Oh, what's his name? Mark. Uh, anyway, he, I think I would hope maybe they're involved in the scouting because if he's done a good job of picking up these Kevin Pierre Lewis and uh, Mingo and Edwards was a solid pickup. And I wish he could just capture some of the defensive, you know, talent evaluation and bring it over to the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing is that maybe, and this is the stuff that's creeped in, creeped into my head lately is that maybe Nagy's really screwing this up more than we thought. And when Pace's talent evaluation is not that awful, but Nagy just can't harness it. 
Yeah, I think we'll never know the answer to that until the two are split up. Yeah. At some point. Well, that could be coming. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Guys, I can't. I'm having a hard time seeing a path to nine wins now. Really. Like, I mean, realistically, I think this is like a seven win team at this point. I'm going to disagree with you. and, uh, And I'll tell you the reason why I do. So the Bears started five and one, and look who they play the last six games of the year. Okay, there's they they have owned Minnesota, they have owned Detroit, so there's three wins there if they can pull that off. What happened in Minnesota last weekend though? Okay, didn't they beat, didn't they beat somebody called the Packers? Yeah, like, but let's not, the, let's not mark the Minnesota, Minnesota as, as a game. But Minnesota. Minnesota Minnesota has has had a history of splitting with the Packers. You go back the last several years. The right. Bears have owned Detroit. They get Detroit at home. They've owned Minnesota. They have owned Minnesota because their defense just gives Cousins fits. So they got Jacksonville. They've got a. They've got a Houston. So they could win either one of those games. So there's five wins right there. No, wrong. Jacksonville, and <laughs> Jacksonville, and Detroit are the only games I feel confident about. So, period. Well, this I'm team, just, this team I'm, hasn't beaten anybody except for the Bucks. Every other game was a miracle or a struggle. They had 98%, you know, percentage of of uh, probability of loss in two of those games in the end, and they had miracles. This team. Can't, you can't mark down the Vikings games as just automatic wins. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say they were an automatic win, but I have said, but I did say that what, Nagy's undefeated against the, the Vikings and the Vikings knocked Trubisky out of, of, of the, you know, a game in consecutive years. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying that it's a walkover, but I'm saying it's a possibility. So if you have a five and five and one beginning of the year, a five and one at the end of the year, and they have a three and three in the middle, there's there's eleven and five, which is what which is what. But that's but but Aaron, I love that math. I love it. Let's do it. So, but that's what I predicted. At the be during during the preseason, I predicted an eleven of five, and you were a ten and six. I'm going to hold my guns until it's no longer possible that 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 it that it's going to happen. But if it happens, it happens, and I'll be damned happy about it because they'll be in the playoffs, and that I mean, means that their their you know. offense is starting is really by the time we get to to those last four or five games. Hopefully by then the offense will be clicking because the, the, the offensive line will get healthy such as it is. Um, but it's bad when it was all, healthy. All, all I can do is hold out hope guys. Yeah, there it is. I just don't know what the value of, of squeaking into the playoffs and is with this team. Like I just, I like it's, it's, I mean, from a, from a fan standpoint, obviously I guess you would rather have that, but I mean, I just, you know, there's so many, I, I, there's just so many question marks. Like this team is just really badly constructed and it starts with the offensive line. 
And I just, you know, like, I don't know what value, you know, at this point, I think there's more value to the franchise in going five and 11 and cleaning house. <laughs> yeah, it's, but five and 11 is not going to happen. You know, eight, Man, well, I don't, I, I don't think eight, I think we're eight, seven and nine team. I'm yeah. just nine. All right. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. All right. Uh-oh. Done. <laughs> yeah. Boom. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. If I, eight wins and over, I win. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. So, I hope I lose. Well, uh, trust, trust me, I hope, I hope you lose too. <laughs> but at least you got, a, you got a new job now so we can make that bet. There you go. <laughs> so thank God for that, right? Yeah. So hey, uh, so let's finish up with our with our little bit of history. The Bears, uh, you know, the, this is only the thirteenth meeting in the history of these two franchises, and of course, this franchise started as the Houston Oilers. Uh, the Bears in that they their first their first time they ever played them was in 1973. And the Bears had a rough time with Houston. They actually were two and four um, uh, when when this rivalry first started. But the Bears have won four out of the last six games. Uh, Tennessee won the last time they played, but the last time they played in Tennessee was kind of a remarkable game. Does anybody remember? Well, for me, I always remember that as the game where Chicago Bears fans went to Tennessee and drank all the beer in in in, in, in Tennessee there. That was that was a huge uh, that was a huge win for the Bears. How about four forced fumbles courtesy of the peanut punch? Yeah. How about a a Urlacher pick six? How about a a Devin Hester punt return that uh, he ended up getting tackled inside the 10-yard line? In a 51 to 20 thrashing of, of the Tennessee Titans. That's what happened the last time the Bears played in Tennessee. Let's do it again. I don't. Hey, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> if if they score 51, I will buy you dinner. Have you ever been? There it is. The, what's the name of the place in Milwaukee? I don't even know if it's open. Uh, the Five O'clock Supper Club. Have you ever okay. been there? No, nah, never. You, oh man, they have some of the best steaks that you will ever eat. So I will, if the Bears score 51 points, I will take you there if they're if, nice. at least if they're open, and uh, if they're <laughs> not too far from the uh, the Pfizer Arena. Okay. It's only about 10 minutes away. So, so how about that, guys? Two wagers. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty safe. I won't have to pay out on one and I'm pretty damn positive. I'll win the other. <laughs> well, good luck on the one. <laughs> hey, you get, you either win or you sit back and relax. You got, I know. You, you, you got, how do you like that? We let you off with no skin in the game, Lester. That's my, that's my kind of wager. Right so any any thoughts on on Sunday's game? Are we going to win this game or not? I mean, I, I, honestly, until I see this offense show more than just a flash here or two, 
I can't see the Bears, you know, winning. I can't see the Bears winning in Tennessee. And I can't see the games that I originally thought were going to be gimmies on the schedule. I can't see those easy either. I'm, I'm kind of leaning with Aaron. I think this team is, is, is spiraling downwards. And until I see this offense show some life, uh, I can't see it winning. Aaron? So what I heard is that Lester's going to pay half of the fifty dollars, <laughs> uh, <laughs> half of the hundred. Well, so I got you on the hook for fifty. I like where your head's at, Lester. Okay, okay. What? No. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I just, I uh, know, I do not think we're going to win. I think Tennessee is going to be very motivated, and I think Derrick Henry's going to have a monster day. I just, I don't think, I think our team is. Uh, I mean, like I said, I picked this as a three-game losing streak at the beginning of the year, and that was me being optimistic. <laughs> like, I am not. I just, yeah, I don't see it. All right. So, uh, do you guys ever watch the uh, the NFL Network uh, pregame show leading up to the early games on Sunday when you got uh, when you got Eisen and and Michael Irvin and and uh, Mariucci and not uh, Warner, uh-huh. you pick. So uh, I guess I'm the lone wolf. <laughs> oh, I guess. I mean, again, I hope I'm wrong, but I just, I just feel like it's trending the wrong way right now. I gotta, Same. I gotta, I gotta go because I, I just don't think that with the Bears secondary that that Tannehill is gonna be able to burn them, and they, they've got to. They've got to mug the line. They got to take Henry out of the game early and let whatever offense the Bears can muster. Hopefully, they get a couple of turnovers because they haven't really had a lot of turnovers that have flipped the field, other than the Carolina game. Uh, and and the defense can steal one here. So th- that's what I'm banking on. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. A win's a win. Let's go. Win it ugly. Don't care. Let's just get a win. I don't care. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care if it's <laughs> ten. I don't care if it's ten to three. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more offense, but um, at least on my parlay card this week, I did not pick the Bears. Uh, I didn't even pick the Bears game on my parlay card at all. So, so that uh, that wraps it up for this week. Uh, next week we have uh, we have Kevin from the Midway Minute joining us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the Bears game. And the following game is a what Monday night game at home against Minnesota. So um, hopefully the Bears, you know, the here we go again. The Bears can literally come out of next Sunday all alone in first place because Green Bay. They lost two running backs, okay, again, one is on COVID, and the other one is on the, the COVID uh, protected list. So if he tests negative, he's a lot like Efeti. Um, and they gotta, they got to go into San Francisco. Now, San Francisco is out, uh, Jimmy G. They're going to be without George Kittle. He, he actually has a small uh, bone fracture in his foot, so he's going to be out almost maybe till the end of the year. But this is a game, this is a team that has literally torn through the Packers' defense with their running game. Um, they beat them like a like 
78 to 25 or something in the two games combined last year, in, including the uh, the NFC title game. So, and it's a Thursday night game. So if the Packers, and they don't play well when they travel all the way out to the West Coast, they never have. So if the Bears can see Green Bay lose in San Francisco, find a way to win on Sunday, all of a sudden the tables are turned. The Bears are six and three. The Vikings are five and three. And the Bears are all alone in first place. Uh, and like you said, Aaron, earlier in the show, they they had a chance to be number one in, in the entire conference at six and one. And suddenly they're out of the playoffs. Well, just as suddenly they can be back on top of the NFC North. So, and when my when my fantasy is over, you can wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. Foles is bad. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. He has played bad. He's thrown picks in six straight games. He is playing horrible. He's not getting protected, but yep. he is also playing like. Rash. You know, before we leave, I, there's one thing I want to. You mentioned this earlier today, and you know, the about the Bears being the most penalized team in the league. Okay. Now, would you, uh, Lester? I'm going to ask you this. Would you say that no fewer than three of the the pass interference calls against Jalen Johnson were bogus? Oh, I mean, a lot of those pass inference calls are bogus, but I mean, that's kind of what the, the NFL wants. I mean, it's kind but of like it, they're, man, they're mandating defense, you know, out because they want as much scoring as possible. Okay. So, so that said, without taking those penalties away, okay, the, believe it or not, the Bears are only averaging one half of a penalty more than their opponents this year. And they're averaging less than five yards per game in penalty yardage more than their opponents. That's how small that discrepancy is. But yet everybody harps on the fact that the Bears are the most penalized team. So it's not that much of a discrepancy uh, between between the Bears and the Bears opponents. So, but the margin of error for this offense and for this defense is so slim. No they question can't about. They can't afford that. They can't afford those penalties in every game. It, it, there are key penalties that are killing this team. So yes, that's an yep. overblown talking point. I agree. So, so yeah. So I, the flip side of my of my counterpoint to yours earlier is the timing of those penalties. Yeah. And that's that the timing of those penalties, not the not the quantity of those penalties is what's killed the Bears, especially on offense. When the de- it's because the defense has to be perfect and they're playing like they have to be perfect. They're playing like they know they have to be perfect and yep. that they have to generate turnovers. And and unfortunately that is allowing them to get burned sometimes. And they're just unlucky. They're straight up unlucky. I mean, Eddie Jackson should have picked off Breeze at least once last night. And, you know, like they were trying to jump the routes. They were trying to play off and jump the routes because everybody knows that Drew Breeze throws it short of the sticks. And it just didn't work. (laughs) I mean, Breeze had that one pass 
where it like came from his chest. I don't even understand how he threw that ball. That was like some kind of magic act. <laughs> Mac, Mac had him dead to rights, and he somehow managed to spin his arm to the center of his chest and put out this ball. I mean, the guy is a Hall of Famer for a reason. Like, you know, I, I just think I think the Bears did everything they could to slow down the Saints, and the Saints just made more plays. And what kills me is that we finally have a damn kicker, and now everything else went to crap. <laughs> Like, it's just so Bears. <laughs> the Bears. <laughs> all right. I said they should just change the name to the Chicago Murphys because it's Jeez. all Murphy's Law every week. Uh. <laughs> every week. Oh, God. I'm, I'm sorry. You just can't stop laughing at that. <laughs> it's true. Oh, man. The, the Murphy Staley's. So, uh, so hopefully the Chicago Murphys – yeah. Uh, we'll we'll be six and three heading into the Monday night matchup against the Vikings at home uh, a week from a week from Monday. So uh, I want to uh, if, if once the Bears get to seven wins, I want a fifty dollar buyout. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, boy, so we you might even you you might you might have to ask for a fifty dollar buyout before the bye week. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You're buying my optimism. It's disgusting. Uh, yeah, I want to take a I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor TickSplits.com. Please remember, and uh, Lester, retweet us often, because if we can get to 1,000 followers, and we're just under 800 now, uh, TickSplits is giving us two tickets to the Bears-Packers game in Chicago in the 2021 season uh, that we're going to give to one of those followers once we hit a thousand. So thanks to our sponsor, Tick Splits. Make sure you use promo code tailgate uh, and get 5% off all of your orders. And uh, with that, Lester, I want to thank you again. Um, we've got a big announcement coming next Tuesday uh, during our show with Kevin. Uh, you won't want to miss it. Uh, and with that, I'm going to let uh, my co-host and producer, Double A, take us off. Thanks for listening, everybody. And try, try, try to bear down for the Chicago <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Bear down. Bear down. <laughs> Murphy down. Murphy down. <laughs>